this huge washout where all of the a lot of the product projects you know so sort of the tide's gone out and you've sort of seen who's not wearing any swimming shorts you know we've always been there as the i guess trying to be a bit more of the adult in the room at times most people are kind of looking at what we do here you know they've got probably 75 percent of their portfolio currently sitting in cash 25 percent sitting in in crypto but obviously that cash element's earning really good yields and the other part has had a hit recently, but you know, we're going to start scaling back into the market once, once conditions improve. And I think yeah, that portfolio over the medium to long term is going to outperform the majority of people who are trying to hit that, that, you know, that home run on every investment. This is My Product Tested, the show that unpacks how successful founders have tested their way to the top and all the market validation that happened along the way. In studio, as always, from the hype team, Miles Herfak and Cameron Calder, and here in studio today, Phil Blows, founder of the crypto platform Acru. Phil and his founding team has spent over a year building a platform that's on a mission to help bring widespread institutional adoption to the world of crypto and digital assets as a whole. Phil himself has over 15 years experience building some of the most exciting fintech brands in the world, scaling companies like OpenPaid, Wealth Wizards, and Silicon Roundabout, author of The Money Triangle, and host of the Outside Inside podcast. This man has more wealth potential insights to share with the world than a multi-level marketer at a Tupperware mixer. Phil, welcome to the studio. Thank you. I'll try to live up to that introduction. Good to have you with us, Phil. Pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Phil, you you now over a year down the line, um, somewhat unbelievable growth. I mean, from what we've seen, ten thousand plus users with the AUM of you know sixteen point five million pounds. Um, but today, for all our listeners, what is Acru? So, Acru is it was really found on the on the basis that. Yeah, earning interest in crypto or trying to effectively trying to make money out of the crypto market is incredibly difficult for the average investor. There's a lot of jargon. There's a lot of scams and hype. And, you know, it's really difficult to cut through all the noise and find out, you know, what are the good investments within within um, digital asset markets. So a crew was was really formed just to try and take all that complexity, put it into a really simple, easy to consume app and uh, and just market that to customers. And um, I think throughout my whole career, that's always been sort of what I've done, which is taking fairly complicated financial um, products or services or concepts and just trying to simplify them, wrap, wrap a really nice kind of risk layer around them and then, you know, make them consumable for the average investor. Because, yeah, I'm on a bit of a mission that the majority of people who get access to the best financial products tend to be the most sophisticated or institutions. And the people who need the most help tend to get the least. So, um, you know, we're really here to change that. Yeah. And I mean, the the advice comes from your neighbor, your best friend or your colleague about where these investments are going. And, you know, how are you kind of overcoming the justifying the credibility of investments and, you know, where where people should actually put their money? Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's interesting, like in, in like when we, when we launched the business, which is sort of last year, crypto had a bit of a rocky start to the year, but then just went on this insane bull run. So it was almost impossible to be wrong where, where, you know, like um, you could buy anything 
and people did buy anything with zero, you know, real, real kind of usability or value behind certain coins in crypto, and they made a lot of money. Um, but what we've seen in the last six months is there's been this huge washout where all of the, a lot of the product projects, you know, so sort of the tide's gone out and you've sort of seen who's not wearing any swimming shorts, you know, and um, it's, we've seen so many people lose money. We've seen the implosion of certain stable coins, Luna and UST was something that made some pretty, pretty large headlines. Um, so now you're seeing this kind of flight to quality and people realizing, you know what? This is a cool market and there's there's lots of opportunities here, but I probably need to do a bit more homework before I go like blindly charging into stuff. And, you know, we've always been there as the, I guess, trying to be a bit more of the adult in the room at times and saying, look, yeah, you can go out and you can try and hit the next, you know, 100 bagger on the, you know, that someone's punting, it's a, an NFT or whatever it might be. But, you know, our message has always been that the, the average consumer, what they should be looking at is, you know, really, first of all, crypto should be no more than five, 10 percent of your net worth. You know, it's, a, it's part of a diversified asset class, you know, or, or portfolio. Um, and then within that, you know, based on the volatility that you see in crypto, most people who come to us, they kind of put 50 percent of their portfolio in something called, you know, a high yielding stable coin strategy, which is, you know, it's yielding anywhere from sort of seven to 12 percent. And, you know, it's it's got the same underlying volatility as the U.S. dollar. And that's that's sort of the core one core part of the yield generating part of their portfolio. And then the other part is really based on, you know, putting Bitcoin and Ethereum, maybe some of the other big top 10. But, you know, or using things like trend following systems, which are kind of fading you in and out of the market based on market conditions. And you know that and that kind of you know, makes up the other 50 percent. So. Most people are kind of looking at what we do here. You know, they've got probably 75% of their portfolio currently sitting in cash, 25% sitting in, in crypto. But obviously that cash element's earning really good yields and the, the other part has had a hit recently. But you know, they're, we're going to start scaling back into the market once, once conditions improve. And I think you know, that portfolio over the medium to long term is going to outperform the majority of people who are trying to hit that, that, you know, that home run on every investment and jumping in and out of things because you know, they make 100x on one, then they lose 100% on the next, you know, and it's that that's, that's what we're trying to avoid and preaching against that sort of that kind of mentality. Yeah. And I, I mean, you, you wouldn't have gotten to this place without experiencing this firsthand and seeing, you know, people around you that have made this mistake of, you know, fronting 50% of their, their income or revenue, and, you know, pumping it into something where it might not be as stable, or they might not have all the facts in place before putting their cash into it. You know, how has your sort of past experience, you know, Wealth Wizards and Open Paid and all these past companies that you've worked on, how has that kind of shaped your decision making and, you know, uh, actually creating this product you know, just over a year ago? I mean, going going back further than those companies, I, I was managing money for customers in 2000 and between 2007 and 2009, you know, during the financial crisis where, you know, even mega blue chip stocks were you know, having kind of 50% weekly volatility. And it was just in absolutely insane markets. And I think the benefit of that experience was, you know, you almost know that nothing is out of bounds when it comes to finance. You know, the black swan events that statistically look like they shouldn't happen, should only happen once in you know, the, the lifetime of the universe. 
can often happen several times in a week, you know, like, uh, mm. and a lot of these sort of quantitative models just don't, don't adequately sort of like, you know, factor in the risks of the, you know, correlations that, that happen in, in markets. So mm. I think that that's been really, really useful just to have that because there have been some nasty, nasty um, blow ups in crypto and we've been largely insulated from them because we just never went into them in the first place. Mm. Um, so, and I think that's that's been you know going back to the product side. It, what we're always trying to do with what we build is tip the favor of you know in the favor of our customers, tip the balance of favor in, in, towards our customers. So by having by being an exchange, and most exchanges, all they're trying to do they make their money when you're buying and selling like rapidly all the time. That's how you lose money. You know, it's the longer term patient investor that makes money on the long t- over the, over the long term. So. You know, everything that we're doing is very much focused on getting the best possible coins onto the platform and then trying to you know, encourage behavior that is going to hopefully make the customers money, mm-hmm. which is, you know, patient, you know, diversified portfolios that, that are there for the long term. And um, I think that that comes across in a lot of the user experience, and a lot of the way the product's designed to try and stop some of the more toxic habits that other companies are trying to promote because that's how they make money, you know. We, we make money from customers that stick with us for a long time. And if we're having a high customer churn, then it just doesn't work. So yeah. you know, everything we're doing is trying to put us on the same side as the customer. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's, it's really difficult to navigate such a volatile market that, you know, the crypto space is. What, what would you say was that original problem that you were trying to solve, that original idea? I mean, the, the business came out of, I mean, I was, I was a massive cryptics skeptic and a lot of people who've spent um, most of their careers in traditional finance are you know because they saw the returns and they thought this is not sustainable it's not something that you know is is, is going to stick around for long term and um for me what really came out of it what really got me i guess addicted to the space was decentralized finance all of a sudden what was just like a speculative you know, bitcoin was this speculative asset as i saw it you know it's a store of value but i was like well you know anything could be a store of value because you know, I've only got 10 pieces of paper in my, you know, on my desk, but it doesn't mean anyone wants or needs them or that they're valuable. You know, so yeah, to me, it was kind of like I needed, I needed to see an ecosystem like decentralized finance, whereby you can take those assets and you can lend them, you can you know, generate yield on them. And they're starting to look really interesting. And the world of traditional finance is beginning to move their processes onto the blockchain. For me, that was the kind of value um, driver the crypto all of a sudden was going to be something huge. And um, I think when I saw this and I could see that, you know, you, you can take assets like Bitcoin or stable coins, which are pegged to the US dollar, and you can lend them out for, for yields that are well in excess anything that you could get in traditional finance. However, the mechanism to do so is just so difficult. Like you've got to open a decentralized wallet. You've got to fund it with gas. You've then got to connect that wallet to a protocol. If you're being sensible, you're then connecting it to a hardware wallet to give an added layer of security. You know, 99% of people will never, ever do that. So, you know, we're saying, how do we come up with a secure layer that sits on top of that, abstracts away all that complexity, but keeps all of the return and the great products that it sits on top of? It just makes it really consumable. And yeah, that that was the problem we were trying to solve. Take these really complex products and make them consumable to the average investor in a safe way. 
Yeah. And um, yeah, that's everything that we've done with our product and you know, design of our product. We've always got that in mind. It's like, you know, could the 99%, could the mass affluent, you know, crypto amateur use this tool? And that having that in mind is, is, is always central to what we're doing. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, solving that problem is a pretty hefty task. You know, it's not, you're not just building, you know, in most cases when people are launching their, their first product or MVP, it's a hack together product that's just trying to prove some sort of market validation. So, you know, what did that build process look like? Um, you know, were you building for this ideal perfect product that was solving this problem with all the features that were required or were you just stripping this down and just trying to get to the core solution of this problem? It, it, it was really interesting, actually, because I, I was a, you know, a student of kind of Eric Reese and the lean startup and MVP mentality and, you know, rapid iteration, but kind of fell at the first hurdle to begin with, because I was when I, you know, I, I've done a PowerPoint deck, which kind of like sketched out the consumer journey, the customer journey. And then I was like, OK, well, I need I need to hire a developer now to, you know, build the MVP. And I was chatting, so I was chatting to one of my old CTOs, and he's like, well, why? Why do you need to build a product at all? What are you really testing? You're testing whether or not this is something people want. He's like, look, I'll give you, I'll give you, you know, $1,000, and you just send me a weekly email telling me what you've done with it, essentially, you know, how you've invested it for me in the world of DeFi. So, like, iteration one, which was, you know, really was the MVP, and I always tell people this, it's like, the MVP you've got in your head is probably an order of magnitude more than you actually need. It's probably an even simpler one that costs no money. And um, so that's that was what iteration one was. It was an email. Um, so, you know, I had 10 Amazing. investors say, okay, well, just, you know, I'm going to give you some cash, send me an email. And then, then you know, I'm giving that back. I'm like, well, what, what information do you want to see in that weekly email? And so well, I want to see the X, Y, and Z. Okay, great. Well, that kind of informed the first version. And... Um, you know, as it happened, we, you know, we, we kind of did the whole thing on, on fast forward a little bit. So, you know, we raised a million dollars pretty quickly. Um, we hired the tech team. And um, this is the other key bit of advice I've given people who've asked. It's like, you know, be really wary about hiring external um, development teams, unless you've got a very simple product. Like we had a you know, we had a product that we we thought we knew what it looked like, but we needed that internal developer to, um, you know, to 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 be you know, and a good one that we could con- have a constant dialogue with, who understood the product, was driven by the company, was incentivized properly. You know, without him, I think the company would have failed very quickly. But he he is an absolute rock star when it comes to software development, and essentially built us the you know the platform, the the architecture with one other team member built the the web version, the Android app and the Apple app all at the same time in six months. Um, Unreal. And which is just insane because we've got competitors who've been doing it. They've got a team of nine and they've been doing it for two years and they haven't built anything as much as well, anywhere near as much as we have. But, you know, we, we were very, because we hired the, the right tech talent early, we were able to build the product out a lot faster and iterate a lot faster. And then, um, you know, 10 months after that PowerPoint, we then actually raised um, another 10 million pounds um, and reversed the business into a listed vehicle. So effectively, it was called a SPAC. So we're now a listed company in on the on the London Stock Exchange 
on the Aquis market. And, um, you know, we've, and we've had a lot of capital, but we've tried to really keep that kind of lean approach the whole time, despite raising quite a lot of money. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been good. I mean, I think when you, you mentioned that 10,000 customer sort of milestone, um, you know, four weeks after that, we had 20,000. Um, so, you know, it's great. It was growing in this, you know, in that period very, very rapidly. Um, so yeah, it's, um, listening to the customer and iterating quickly and owning our tech have been the, the real keys to success. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, this, uh, this sounds like the perfect journey, you know, you testing this initial raw MVP, which, you know, uh, it's more just a minimum viable idea that you putting out there versus any sort of product, you know, it's a, it's basically yeah. a consultancy that's proving a model before products even been built. Um, and then kind of finding these key metrics that are saying, okay, well, maybe we have something here and then building out the product and then kind of the products seeing its own success. And as you say, you know, raising 1 million later, 10 million, 10,000 users, and then later 20,000 users. Has it been smooth sailing the entire way or, or how? I mean, I think the, yeah, getting that first tech person in was was you know was crucial for the business but there was this kind of chicken and egg situation whereby you know he's he's obviously highly in demand as a as an engineer and um yeah he he's got a you know he's got a family to support mortgage that sort of thing so convincing him to come on board pre-raise i was kind of in this chicken and egg situation where had to you know, had to show traction on the fundraise to say that we had money in the bank that was going to sustain the business that would enable him to then quit his current job to then move and start building what we were doing. So there was that slight chicken and egg problem to get across. Um, you know, there's been a lot of, a lot of, um, I mean, especially recently, you know, we've, the crypto market sort of was imploded about three weeks ago um, with, with what happened with, you know, UST and Luna. And, you know, that we're, we're not isolated from that, you know, the interest and the trust that people have for, for sort of institutions in the space has been, you know, rightly tarnished on the back of what's been going on. So it's been a big fight, you know, and I think one of the things that we took, you know, very seriously, like, and I think is, is sort of the next pivot really is, moving to a much, much more transparent model. Um, so we've had to, we were paying some very, very high yields, but given the way the market has developed in literally the last couple of weeks, we now feel that the risk in the market has shifted. So the way that we were generating yield on some of our assets, we've changed completely. And we've gone to a much, much lower risk model, which means that, you know, we are, because we've got a lower risk model, we're paying lower, lower yields. So we're having to pivot the model a little bit from we are the highest place for you're going to find for, for yields to we are the safest place, the best risk adjusted yield you're going to find. And, you know, that hasn't gone down well with everyone, you know, because um, a lot of people are like, you know, this is ridiculous, you know, and I've had, per, you know, you get a lot of, you get a lot of, a lot of um, flack from investors on the back of doing that. You know, whereas our, you know, our hearts are in the right place, we're doing it to reduce the risk that we have as a business and our customers are exposed to, you know, doesn't stop people personally attacking you a lot. So, mm. you know, the last three weeks have been really interesting, but, you know, it's also caused us to pivot a bit more in the product because we're releasing mm. a whole lot of other new products to sort of 
satisfy the requirements of this new market because again you know which has been great we've we've spun up an exchange we've spun we're spinning up investment products in the not too distant future as well which are going to make it again easier than ever for the average investor to 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 outperform hopefully the average you know professional crypto investor um so yeah all of that's coming we've had to build it incredibly quickly in response to what's happened the last few weeks so um yeah it's um it's but I mean the law I think we had a we had a really nice smooth patch. We've now had a bit of a and which is we've had a storm that's now passed, and we kind of we've we've just been building as quickly as we can in this patch. And I think now mm. feels like we're getting a bit more stability again in the market. And you know, speaking to our you know our board, our kind of investor base, it feels like the stuff that we're buying we're building now is going to be worth tens, hundreds of millions in the, in the next sort of twelve months. True. So that's what. That's what we've got to do, and um, you know, excited to deliver it in the next in the next two to three weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think in in a market like this, there's it's such a patient game. You know, I, I think the a key learning is to just not panic too much. Uh, everybody must just sort of sit tight and weather the storm and see where it goes. Uh, but Phil, just taking it back uh, a little bit, so you you launch your MVP or or your sort of minimum viable idea. So, uh, then you hire some amazing tech talent. Six months down the line, they've they've built a front-facing uh, product that's starting to look amazing. What were the specific metrics uh, that you started measuring to prove that market validation? So, I mean, well, I mean, it, it sort of comes from the, the website funnel to begin with. You know, it's it we, mm. we're looking at just the funnel, and it's pretty difficult. Um, it can be quite difficult because we had a lot of PR going on, which means, you know, the the original the traffic that's hitting the website, it's a little bit more difficult to to attribute to certain like specific sources. Um, so, you know, we're looking at traffic coming onto the website to conversions. Obviously, it's just the the, the raw, and then trying to break that down by by channel, and then once you actually, you know, then every stage of that journey from registering. How many people register? How many people then who register go on to, um, you know, complete their kind of document uploads and complete what's called, you know, know your customer KYC. Of those, how many then go on to fund the account? And then, you know, what's the average amount that is funded? And, you know, we've, so we could see, interestingly, we have a very, we have a very high, like, um, average account size relative to the industry. Um, and you know now it's, it's it's quite early days, but we're trying to be as data driven as we possibly can because we'd like to know why that is. Um, you know, the average account size is around about ten thousand um, pounds, which is which is you know you compare that to someone like Robin Hood, where the average account size is two hundred dollars. Um, you know, it's a very different model, and we're, we're and we're keen to stay there because it kind of fits with the fact that we're after the mass affluent kind of crypto amateur who has a portfolio already, who is looking at you know, five, 10% of that portfolio going into crypto and hopefully sitting with us. Um, yeah, that's, that kind of fits the model, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's that it's getting all that data, looking at conversion funnels, looking at, you know, how people move around the site and interact with the site with kind of heat maps and things like that. Um, but then, you know, we've also got to try and get in, get some of the qualitative data, which is something we're building now around, you know, customer outreach and getting more feedback. Um, you know, we get a hell of a lot from our social media channels anyway, whether or not we want it, you know, it's, uh, we get a, we've got, we've got a community of 50,000 people across our social media channel, channels who, sure. you know, let us, let us know if anything, anything's not working or up to scratch, right? Shouted. Um, and, you know, we did, 
Exactly. We do we do weekly AMAs and things like that where we we're you know we're really trying to pull in customer customer feedback. Yeah, it's um it's a core part of what we do, just trying to collect that data. Yeah. And I mean uh you kind of acquired your, your first client being your previous uh coworker, your your CTO that kind of did the first investment and then you know, slowly friends of friends and then kind of testing that email marketing flow and seeing what works there um, and getting that initial feedback. You know, once, you, once you've built that product, um, then you need to get customers on there. And, you know, you, as you say, you're growing rapidly from that up to 10K, now doubling that to 20. What does that sort of growth strategy look like? Um, you also spoke a bit about social, um, you know, from a typical advertising perspective or, or growth strategy on your standard sort of fintech, edtech, um, you know, these type of products, it's your standard channels that you're using. But with crypto, you know, there's already existing communities that you're tapping into and trying to acquire to to build that trust and credibility before you can actually convert them. So, you know, what, what does that look like yeah. for you guys? It, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we've done, we've, we've obviously done a lot of testing across lots of channels. Um, you know, and interestingly, one area that we found wasn't particularly good value was influencers. Um, you know, maybe it was because of the influencers that we were using, but, you know, not much bang for your buck, um, you know, at all. And, um, you know, and very, very large, you know, people who may be you know, running around with very large audiences that aren't, aren't particularly engaged um, and certainly aren't engaged enough to sort of go onto your product and then deposit money. Um, so some of them worked okay, but overall, you know, as a, as kind of a portfolio of influencers, we found that it wasn't a channel that we, we really think is worth pursuing. I think it's good for hype and like, you know, some of the pump and dump coins that you see out there, but for like a professional platform, which is what we are, um, it hasn't, uh, hasn't, you know, it's not, it's not work for us. Um, so sort of things that weirdly have worked, I say weirdly, which have worked is just, is more content strategy. So you know, right, yeah, getting writing articles, writing, you know, and getting, you know, encouraging reviews of our product from websites, which rank very highly in terms of SEO and things like that. So, you know, we know, we know people who are going to use us are going to look for, you know, the top staking platform or the top crypto exchange or, you know, buying Bitcoin. So, you know, if we've got um, articles out there that very much, you know, are, are, you know, have us in a prominent position on those kind of in that kind of content, then that that's been proven to work very well. Um, you know, we we do a lot in terms of the you know I do a lot of podcasts, probably do about you know ten a month um, or more, um, and you know we find that there's some good engaged communities that we that you know that we speak to, hear about our product, and like the sound of it, and want to go out and use it, and you know we we get get good flow from that. Um, socials as well. Um, you know, I was always skeptical of it, but Telegram has been a great source of business for us. Sure. Um, you know, I think if you can if you can build a good, engaged Telegram community, I think it performs better than the likes of Twitter and Instagram and things like that. Interesting. And um, Phil, so you know, you spoke about finding the right uh, team from a development perspective. Um, you know, obviously getting someone that you trust already and. You know, time and time again, we hear these startups, you know, hiring or outsourcing a development team uh, on the cheap or, you know, getting ripped off and not actually delivering on the product or the timelines get pushed out and the, the cost for development increases drastically. Um, and typically what happens is, you know, after not building the product that was initially briefed, 
that is now a development handover to a new team. And, you know, that new team says, well, it's going to take just as long to sift through the old code as it is to create our new one. So, you know, that back and forth yeah. process is just on the development side. And then you have, you know, your content team that's uh, obviously pushing out these articles and outreach and then your social team. And then as you spoke about your support team speaking about speaking to customers and getting that feedback, how important is, is building the right team for you and, you know, structuring it in a way that actually is going to support the product and add value to it as a whole. I think yeah, we, we've structured the business to, around de- dev and so I mean, customer service as well, but you know, the, the product is at the heart of the business. And I always say, you know, fire me before you fire the CTO because you know, they probably had a lot more value. Um, yeah, you know, the, um, cause you know, it's, it's so essential. I've just see, you see it all the time. And there's a reason why a lot of the big VCs will never fund a company that, you know, doesn't have like a, you know, technical talent as part of the founding team. Um, you know, it's so, I've seen it, you know, millions and millions of pounds of dollars wasted on, on, you know, external dev, you know, and it's something that, um, you know, we bought a business as part of our, of what we did, which used an outsourced uh, development team. Um, you know, and that team is six months overdue and, you know, double, double the initial quote and to the point where we had to just dump them and bring it in house to complete it, you know, and it's just, you know, even it's, it's just like, you know, it, it, it's just pointless. And, you know, I think you've got to be, yeah, you've got to be so careful. I mean, I, I, we know a lot of really experienced companies that have done this and, and, have you know, had exactly the same experience. So it's the, the right team, the right culture is so important. You know, everyone, everyone who works for our company is a shareholder in the business. Um, you know, we are very, very flexible in terms of how we, how the culture, you know, no, no fixed holiday, no fixed location or work day. Um, you know, that works for some people. It doesn't work for others. It means we've got to be very, very clear about what needs to be delivered. Um, I think that culture doesn't work if the deliverables haven't been defined well by management. Um, mm. But, you know, everyone should be aware of what they need to deliver and the metrics that they're, they're targeted against. And so it allows you to have that kind of greater freedom with your, you know, how you deliver those because it's clear what you need mm. to do. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's I mean, that the, the team is everything. Absolutely everything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Phil, you mentioned earlier that there's some exciting things coming up that's uh, going to grow the value of the business significantly. You might not be able to tell us too much, um, but I'm very interested in, you know, anything interesting coming up in your product roadmap, uh, what that looks like and, and how you think that will impact the growth of the, of the business. I, I think, yeah, we, yeah, the, 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 um, the listed vehicle that we put, we moved a crew into, which me and my co-founder now now run. Um, you know, it's there as a DeFi incubator. So we are looking at, you know, creating products that leverage the power of decentralized finance, blockchain technology, and crypto, and sort of develop, you know, develop businesses and spin businesses out. Um, so a crew is a fantastic business, which. As I say, it's a it's a great place to go and earn the most out of your crypto, whether that's yield, whether that's investments, whether that's you know exchanging it for other assets. You know, the, the area that I'm really interested in and focused on is how traditional finance is moving onto the blockchain and the efficiencies that they're finding there. And 
you know, the products that I think are going to really scale because they're, you know, some of the, the industries that are moving on to into crypto and onto blockchain are, you know, 10 times the size of the, the existing crypto market, you know, which is, you know, $2 trillion. You know, we're talking about, you know, tens of trillions of dollars of, of transactions coming into the space. You know, whether that impacts crypto prices, but it's using the blockchain tech at least. Um, and I think being at the cutting edge of that is where, and giving our customers access to, again, institutional grade investments, products, but, you know, in a very, very easy to consume way, I think that's going to be where the real growth drivers are. You know, it's not just kind mm. of like crazy speculation, passing coins, who can pay, who can pay the highest to, to buy a coin. It's going to be real world value brought into crypto. And I've got, there's some great products that we're wrapping around things like that at the moment, which are, you know, we're going to be very excited to release. Yeah. Mm. Amazing for, yeah. And then just, just to fin- finish off here, um, you know, so often entering into building a new product, you know, founders have this uh, very exciting mindset and then, you know, slowly after getting some customer feedback, they, they humbled into, you know, what it's actually going to be like and, you know, you, you're playing on realistic grounds. Um, but then, you know, fast track 12 months or so that you guys have now had your product in the market and, you know, growing rapidly with some some nice funding. How has your mindset kind of shifted from, you know, when you had this initial idea to to launch this platform to to where you are now and, you know, you're successfully running this company with a, an epic team behind you and, you know, uh, a nice product roadmap that's kind of leaning into the next sort of six to 12 months? I mean, I think probably, probably, probably bad to say it, probably even more confident now than I was when I first started. You know, it's sort of, um, you know, I think the ambition of the business was, yeah, I, I believe from from the day that we were get, raising our first money, I said, look, this is a billion dollar business, even if we get it just a bit right. Um, nothing has changed there, except I think there's probably several other billion dollar businesses that are going to grow out of a crew as well. Um, so I think... You know what? What we've what we've what's happened? I think in the last twelve months is with you know, we've built this team and we've built this capability. And whereas we said, oh, you know, we 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 want to be the bridge between kind of traditional finance and and you know decentralized finance and crypto. You know, now we are, and we are. I feel like we're the best team in the world right now to exploit and build products in that space. So, yeah, I think it's. Um, I think we, we've got to stay humble in terms of, you know, testing products rigorously, responding to feedback, iterating and keeping that kind of product flywheel spinning as quickly as possible, not putting bags of time and energy into stuff that is just an idea. I'm not arrogant to believe you know, that I'm going to get it right by coming up with an idea and just launching it. It's going to be right. You know, a crew was right, but it was a pretty obvious value you know, proposition. You know, it was like, you know, do you want high returns on your crypto? Yes, great. Well, here they are. You know, sort of like there wasn't a lot. Wasn't you know, although we tested a lot, and we tested the product. You know, that's a pretty easy value prop. Whereas the next one might be slightly more complicated, so we have to do a little bit more you know testing there. But yeah, I think the belief in our in the business and the team is stronger than ever because we've now we've now proved that we're good at what we do, and you know I think we're just getting started. Amazing. Well, Phil, we're really excited to see what the next sort of 12 months holds and how you guys, um, you know, come back after this sort of three week uh, tough period and storm. And now you've kind of come out of the back of it. So 
thanks so much for being in studio with us. Uh, we really appreciated this. This has been a, an epic recording, and I'm sure all the listeners are going to agree. Pleasure. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Cool. What do we think? Yeah, I think uh, what I really like about his business, uh, what I really like about the crew, is that they're focusing on becoming that professional platform versus the sort of pump and dump, um, high risk, high return platforms that we uh, have recognized to date. You know, it's amazing that they're pos pos positioning themselves as being a platform where you want to hold on to your investment and you know watch it grow over time versus that buying and selling. I think that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, the, the big one for me is that it's this undeniable confidence in and self-belief in the product and the business mm -hmm. that it's, I mean, as he said, like with audio and flinching, you know, he's going to, it's going to be a billion pound company. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there's so much weight behind having that confidence in your company and business where you can say that and you really see the growth that he's had and he's kind of just without even second guessing any decision he's making, any hire he's doing or any sort of funding he's taking, he's going, you know, this is going to be the company that we're going to grow and I know what it's going to be in a couple of years time. hundred mm, percent. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, that's Phil Blows, founder of the crypto platform, Acru, amazing founder, incredible person, and amazing to speak to. I hope you guys enjoyed that. We'll catch you guys next week on another episode of My Product Tested. Cheers for now.